Deadly shooting at a California high school. Five shot, two dead. Recycling Mexican children. We'll tell you what that means. But don't worry, it's not us who's doing it. It's them. It's them. And, uh, you know, at least I guess they're being green. They might make Greta Thunberg very proud. Us, on the other hand, since we're not recycling them, she might tell us, how dare you? Meanwhile, Google is trying to take over your checking account. Yeah, that must be very safe for your privacy. They don't want anything they say to do with your privacy. Yeah, right. Google's business is made off of profiting off of your privacy. So the idea that they don't want anything to do with your privacy, I kind of find hard to believe. All of that, plus an exclusive segment for our podcast listeners only. But don't worry, it's free. All of that today on the Friday edition of the White House Brief Podcast. All right, so a bit of housekeeping first. First, want to say thank you for all of the people who went and subscribed to the podcast a couple weeks ago. It really means a lot, and every subscriber that we get means a lot because Google puts a lot of stake in people who subscribe, and especially people who comment and people who leave reviews. So it really means a lot to me, and so we do a special edition of the White House Brief on Friday that's a little longer and a little more free form so that the podcast listeners get a little something extra. And like I said, at the end of this live segment that you have on YouTube and Facebook, we're going to do an extra podcast segment that's only available to those people who subscribe to the podcast or to people who are Blaze TV subscribers. And you can, you can subscribe to Blaze TV by going to blazetv.com. But don't worry, the podcast is free. So if you want to get it, all you got to do is go to iTunes, go to Google Play, go to uh, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast and get it. It's that simple and you can listen to it and you can also listen to it any other day of the week. So if you don't have time to watch the videos on YouTube, you can just download the podcast version and you can listen to it in the car. You can listen to it at work. So I urge you guys to do that because it helps our numbers grow. And plus, you never know with these big tech companies what's going to happen. You never know if Facebook is going to all of a sudden say, uh, we don't want your content on our platform anymore. You never know if YouTube is going to say, uh, this content mm, is not working for us and kick us off. And then we have no to broadcast. So it's very important that you support us directly. And I urge you to do that by going to our podcast, download the podcast, or as I said, go to blazetv.com and become a subscriber there. All right. Our sponsor today is Black Rifle Coffee Club. I'm really excited to have these guys as a new sponsor. Cheers, because I'm excited to be working with them because they are a great veteran owned and operated company for people who love America. And they import the highest quality beans from around the world and always roast to order. So that means you're always going to be getting the freshest coffee available. Black Rifle Coffee, they develop their explosive roast profiles with the same mission focus that they learned as military members serving this country. All Black Rifle Company coffee blends are available in whole bean and ground varieties. And they also have many roasts available in single serve coffee rounds. Those are the things you put in the machine. And it's really easy. You push the button and it makes the coffee. I would also encourage you to sign up for the Black Rifle Coffee Club, where you can get discounted prices on your club orders, free shipping, and if you use my discount code WHB, you also get an extra 20% off your first order. So this is the perfect time, because if you order coffee during this month, the month of November, Black Rifle Coffee is going to send a bag of their holiday roast to our troops overseas to be delivered by Christmas to the people who have to spend their Christmas away from their families because they're serving the nation. 
And the very least you could do is send them a bag of Black Rifle Holiday Blend. So go to blackriflecoffee.com slash WHB. That is blackriflecoffee.com slash WHB and enter the discount code WHB. That will get you 20% off your first order on any products, including what I mentioned, the Black Rifle Coffee Club. All right. So our first topic today, it's, I mean, another shooting, another shooting. And in California, of all places, California, of all places where, you know, they have some of the strictest gun laws in the country. Might I add that this was not committed by a scary assault weapon. This was committed by a handgun. And yet two people were still killed. And every time this happens, Every time this happens, well, now it's getting to the point where we just start to forget about it. I mean, CNN's not even covering it. CNN's covering impeach. They're in impeachment mania. That's all they care about, which is just word salad. You just watch a bunch of old, crusty people go up and run their mouths. They're not going to impeach the guy. But deadly shooting in California, student kills two at California high school. Suspect was in custody after a shooting at a high school north of Los Angeles, the police said. They said the suspect was a student and he carried out the attack on his birthday. So here's what we know. The police say that the gunman shot five people. The suspect has been identified by sources close to the police. However, the police have not officially released the suspect's name. However, the police do say that he was a student at Saugus High School and that it was on his birthday. We know California has some of the strictest gun laws in the country, but, you know, guns can come in from other states. But nevertheless, what the hell is a 16 year old doing with a gun? That's a problem. So there's not a lot that we know about this story. We know it wasn't a big assault rifle. So that narrative is going to be busted to shreds. And that's kind of scary, right? Because uh, two things could happen. All right. Two things could happen. Number one, they could completely ignore this story because it doesn't fit the narrative. We've been told that uh, we don't care if you have a, a, a handgun. Those are fine. We like guns. We like we just don't like the guns that unleash unlimited amounts of bullets into people. That's one option that they just ignore it because it doesn't fit the narrative. The second option, however, is that they realize Oh, it's not just the big, scary guns that commit these crimes. It's also the handguns that are equally as uh, capable as committing crimes and killing people. And so they come after those as well. And then they start confiscating those as well. And in the process, they completely eradicate our Second Amendment. So those are the two options. I'm not sure which one I'm more disgusted by. I think it's disgusting to ignore a story because it doesn't fit your political narrative when there is blood on the floor. But I think it is equally as horrifying to think that they could come after all of our weapons, leaving the American people defenseless. So when it comes to the left, there really is no good solution here. And that is why when it comes to the Second Amendment, we must not cave whatsoever. There is no compromising on our Second Amendment rights. In the same way, there is no compromising on our First Amendment rights. That is the Bill of Rights. Those are the things that the, the founders, they wrote a constitution, a, 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 some might say even divinely inspired document, and it was almost perfect. And then they said, no, we actually need to enumerate 
certain rights because the idea was, well, if it's not written in the Constitution, if it's not prohibited in the Constitution, then it is assumed that it is a right. And then some of the founders said, well, no, we need to actually delineate some rights that cannot be infringed. These are the most important rights. And those rights, those 10 amendments became the Bill of Rights. And of course, the first one is freedom of speech, freedom to petition, freedom of religion, and the other one, and the other one is to protect those, those rights. The other one actually gives teeth to the First Amendment. And so the idea that we have people who are coming to take those rights away from us should scare everybody. And not just, and not just conservatives, it should scare liberals as well. Because if you have a tyrannical government, gosh forbid, they're not just going to come after conservatives. I mean, they might, depending on who it is. But everyone should want to be able to protect themselves, not just from a tyrannical government, but just from the guy down the street, just from someone trying to break into your home. So, you know, every time there's one of these shootings, they rush to get to, to, to try to get people to get on board with this gun control stuff. I think the problem is much deeper than that. I think we really have to figure out, and every time this happens, we maybe discuss it for a couple of weeks, maybe tops a couple of weeks, and then we just forget about it. But we really have to figure out what is wrong with our society. And I think that we need to delegate studies and, and, and professionals and experts to figure out what psychologically is hurting us and what psychologically is causing people to go into schools and shoot them and shoot children and then also shoot themselves because that's what this kid did. He shot himself in the head. He survived somehow. I'm not sure how, but he did. So that's what's happening. CNN, like I said, is not doing coverage of this story. I'm sure they covered it at some point, but instead they're focusing on this impeachment nonsense. And I got to tell you, would you rather watch this impeachment hearing or would you wa rather watch this show? Because I'm not interested in talking about these impeachment hearings because you want to know why you want to know why these impeachment hearings are a joke. These impeachment hearings aren't real. And it's not me saying that as a partisan or a political actor. No, these impeachment hearings aren't real because AOC said they weren't real. AOC said this is, and this is a quote, this is about preventing a disastrous outcome from happening next year. In other words, she knows that she cannot, that, that the Democrats cannot win. She knows that they have nothing to offer the American people. She knows that they have slim chances of defeating Donald Trump in 2020. And so the Democrats' strategy has been, let's get him out of office before that. Then we don't even have to worry about winning the 2020 election because maybe he'll run against Pence or somebody else who might be a little easier to beat than the force that is Donald Trump. They know they can't beat him. And so they are resorting to extra constitutional means to remove him from office. I mean, the, 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 they don't have any actual reasons for impeaching him. High crimes and misdemeanors, there are none. Now, I understand that impeachment is, of course, a political process and not a legal process, but that still doesn't mean there doesn't need to be justice. That still doesn't mean that there isn't anything that, that, that is just about the process. And so far, and we went over this yesterday, but I'll do a quick recap. Maxine Waters, her first explanation as to why she wanted to impeach the president was, quote, I don't respect this president. I don't trust this president. That's not an impeachable offense. 
That's not an impeachable offense. And they tried to do the Russiagate stuff. They, they were hoping they could impeach him on Russiagate. That ended up to be a complete flop because this little thing called the Mueller report came out. You know, the little thing that they spent 70 million, was it 70 million or 70 billion? $70 million on. It wouldn't surprise me if it was $70 billion at the rate that these people spend. $70 million on this report that came up to be a complete dud, came up to be, came up completely empty, no collusion, and no evidence of obstruction of justice. And so then that drove them nuts. And so then they went on to talk about emoluments. Oh, and Pence's plane landed at one of, or Pence's Air Force Two landed at one of Trump's properties in Europe. And then they tried to go on campaign finance violations. You want to impeach the president on campaign finance violations to Stormy Daniels? I don't know how you're going to maneuver that one. They didn't. That one failed. Then they tried to do the emolument. They did the emolument stuff. And then they tried to do a number of other things. Family separation. Can we impeach him on that? Can we impeach him on revoking John Brennan's security clearance? None of that worked out. And so then this Ukraine call came up. The call with uh, Volodymyr Zelensky. Oh, was there a quid pro quo? A whistleblower came. Whistleblower came and said, uh, I heard from somebody who heard Trump's phone call and Trump gave Volodymyr Zelensky a quid pro quo and said, hey, Volodymyr, I'm not going to give you any aid unless you fire, and, and, and I'm not going to give you any aid. And, and, and he, what exactly did he say? He said, he, and I'm not even remembering the story, but he, because it was such nonsense, but he said it was a quid pro quo, and, and, and we have the phone call. And he said, look, if you investigate Biden, I'll get to Biden in a second, because Biden is the one who said, if you fire the prosecutor, I'm not going to give you, uh, I'll, I'll give you the money. So uh, Trump said, if you investigate Biden, and that was it. You know how Trump speaks in half sentences? So Trump said, if you investigate Biden, that was it. There was no quid pro quo. And then they had the press conference, right? They had the press conference where you had Volodymyr Zelensky sitting there saying there was no pressure. There was no pressure. He didn't pressure me into doing anything, but it is an international investigation. This was an international scandal. That started, and it would make sense for Trump to want to know how this scandal started. And when you have, <laughs> when you, when you have Joe Biden engaged in all of this sketchy material, where you have Joe Biden going into the Ukraine and saying, hey, buddy, I need you to fire this prosecutor who is prosecuting, who, who, who is investigating this company that my son is a part of. And mind you, Joe Biden's son was receiving, at times, $83 million a month from this company. And you had the prosecutor investigating the corruption of this company. And Joe Biden went in there and said, hey, if you don't fire this prosecutor who is looking into this company that is connected to my son, then I'm not giving you guys funds. So what sounds more like a quid pro quo to you? Joe Biden saying, hey, if you don't fire the prosecutor, quid. 
then I'm not going to give you the money, pro quo, or Trump on the phone saying if you could look into Biden. It's a backwards world. So they're trying to get him on that. And because we all have eyes and because we can all read the transcript for ourselves, we can see that there was no quid pro quo. And yet we're told that we have to listen to this whistleblower whose identity they are shielding and talking to legal experts. I'm not a legal expert myself, but talking to legal experts, I've been told that that's not even necessary, that there is no legal requirement that we protect this whistleblower's identity. So uh, this whole thing is backwards and we're being told that we have to listen to Bill Taylor and George Kent, who all said they don't have any firsthand knowledge about the allegations uh, the Democrats are making against President Trump, accusing him of quid pro quo. And here's what acting U.S. ambassador to the Ukraine said. What I can do um, here for you today is tell you what I heard from people. What I can do is tell you what I heard from people. Oh, that sounds like a credible witness. I'm not a witness myself, but I can tell you what I heard from other witnesses, from people. And then you had, and this just happened today. That was yesterday. That was when the impeachment hearings began. Today, you had Ambassador Yavanovich. She also said she had no firsthand knowledge of what she was doing there. She, had, she has no firsthand knowledge. So none of these people have firsthand knowledge. They're interrogating all of these people who have no idea what they're talking about. These people are nobodies. And then remember you had Adam Schiff? They have nothing on this. This, this is why this whole impeachment is a sham. They have nothing on this. You had Adam Schiff who went, uh, who went in front of the committee and literally made up an account because the call with Volodymyr Zelensky was so not damning that he literally had to make up another account and he read a completely false report about what the president said and he literally said that the president asked Volodymyr Zelensky to make up dirt on Joe Biden. That never happened. That never happened. He made that up. And then when he got caught, he said it was satire. Who the hell does satire in front of a congressional committee? He lied. These people are shameless. And speaking of Adam Schiff, so we mentioned to you Ambassador Yavanovich, right? Yavanovich, while she was testifying, Trump tweeted about Yavanovich and Trump said everywhere Marie Yavanovich went turned bad. She started off in Somalia. How did that go? Then fast forward to Ukraine, where the new Ukrainian president spoke unfavorably about her in my second phone call with him. It is a U.S. president's absolute right to appoint ambassadors. So he tweeted that he has every right to tweet that. And then what happened? Then what happened? Well, little shifty Adam Schiff came and actually read, read this tweet to Yavanovich. And after they did that, the buzz, 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 buzz on social media and the media was, whoa, this is Trump is witness tampering. Trump is witness. Trump is tampering with the witness. This is obstruction of justice. Well, no, all Trump did was tweet. Who was the one who brought the tweet? into the hearing. Well, that would be Adam Schiff. So if anyone's doing the witness tampering, it's Adam Schiff, the most corrupt politician possibly in Congress. 
He's been at the front of this impeachment nonsense since day one. And he's been using shady, crafty, manipulative tricks to get this president out of office. And it is a front to our Constitution and to our republic. This impeachment thing, it's so irrelevant, and I urge you Americans to pay no attention to it. That's all you need to know. That's the summary you need to know. Move on with your lives. The economy is doing great, all right? Pay attention to what's happening on the border. Believe it or not, the president is now in the process of building eight new miles, new miles, not just replacing old miles, of border wall. That's something that you're not hearing a lot about. Pay attention to what's happening in your communities because your communities are being transformed. Pay attention to what is happening in your families because that will tie in to all of this gun violence. How are your kids doing? What are your kids learning in school? What are your kids, how how are they doing emotionally? Are they doing drugs? Because we have all of these kids in record numbers who are being addicted to opiates. And it's tearing apart the country. It's tearing apart the country. And, you know, you have Kellyanne, who is leading initiative to, 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 to help solve this opiate crisis. And then it, meanwhile, and I don't know if we can show this, but you have Congress doing this. We have Congress doing that. What are they talking about? They're not talking about how to close the border. They're not talking about how to solve the opiate crisis. They're not talking about how to create more jobs. They're not talking about how to increase wages. They're not talking about how to make health care more affordable for people. They're talking about how to impeach the president. This is a complete dereliction of duty. This is shameful. Like they, they go and they smile in your face and they say, I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm going to fix your lives. I'm going to improve your jobs. I'm going to get you jobs. I'm going to make sure that you live longer. And they sit and they bicker about a president's phone call and whether there was a quid pro quo. Shameful. Shameful. Speaking of the border, a DHS operation discovered over 600 children being recycled by border traffickers. We talked about this at the beginning. What, what do you mean recycled? How do you recycle children? Well, it's called Operation Noble Guardian, and it identifies situations where fraudulent families were released into the interior And then the children were separated from those unrelated adults and they were taken to an airport and flown back. All right. So the children get released into the United States. Right. They get released into the United States and then they take them and they fly them back to Mexico. And then they come in with another family, because as we've explained many times before, when they come in with children, it completely changes the game. Because at least under the Obama era, it was much harder to separate families with children and it made it much easier for them to get into the United States if they had children in tow. 
That's why family separation with Trump was so controversial, because Trump was saying, you know what, we're going to enforce the laws no matter what. And if you come with children, we'll take the children. We're going to try to find them a family or a relative inside the United States. But the adult, nah, you're not getting in. You're getting detained. And that was the whole separation aspect. So now they have the scheme and they've been doing this for a while, by the way, where they fly the kids in. And then they fly them back and then they take them back. And then, you know, you talk about, well, you know, there's human trafficking going on. No, there's not. There's no human trafficking. What are you talking about? Uh, Yes, there is. These are not their real kids. And they're starting to administer DNA tests to make sure that none of this goes on. But you want to talk about you want to talk about a corporation of crime. This is not some simple operation. This is not just some mommy with her daughter who is just trying to make a better life for themselves. No, this is a corporation. We're, we're, not dealing with, we're not dealing with the little leagues here. We're dealing with professional smugglers. You know, they have, they have radio ads. They have billboards in the Northern Triangle connecting people, connecting families to mules, to coyotes who would take them in and help them break in to the United States. This is a large operation, and we have to treat it as such. That is why the wall is so important. That is why so many other border security measures are important. But this is where the front lines are, because we are dealing with people who know what they're doing, who know how to game our system, which is broken, and they're winning. And we cannot allow a foreign entity to win on our own border. We're worried about trying to help the Kurds win in northern Syria, the communist Kurds win in northern Syria. Well, what about trying to help our people win on our border? Or even not even just on our border, because it spreads into other communities. It's really, it's really, really shameful when you realize the dishonesty and the fact that our government, and it's not just the Democrats, Republicans and Democrats, are aiding and abetting a professional smuggling operation to make illegal immigration the status quo. And it will ultimately transform our country into a majority Democrat voting country. So I don't care how many people you convert to Republican, if this kind of stuff continues, we're screwed. We're screwed. And, you know, to be quite honest, for you to say that these are just simple people who don't really have any plan, they're just, they're just, uh, they're just trying to make a better life for themselves, thinking that they don't actually have a, pro- a professional operation going on, kind of racist to me, if you ask me. Little bit, li- li- little bit, uh, little bit uh, condescending. Right? You're not very smart. You can't figure out how to do this yourself. So I don't know. That, that, that just really bothers me. We got ICE acting deputy director saying the cartels are the best advertisers of what works and what doesn't. And within a short period of time, it was getting back to the organizations that they needed to pivot their operations. All right. So it's not just it's not just the news saying this. The actual uh, deputy director is saying that the cartels are the best advertisers. We've got a cartel issue. We've got a cartel issue that we refuse to deal with. All right. Last topic before we end and go to the podcast. And like I said, if you are a podcast subscriber, you will have access to this material. If you are not, please go and subscribe to it. Last topic, Google. 
Don't we love Google? Google, the greatest company in the world. Don't do evil. Oh, no, that's right. They got rid of that. Google wants to start offering checking accounts. But don't worry. Don't worry. They say they're not going to sell the data. <laughs> really? Google, whose entire business model is taking your information and selling it. No, they're not going to sell your data. No, they would never. They just want to offer you a service. They just want to help you manage your money. They're not going to do anything with your data. They're not going to take the purchases you make. They're not going to take the financial information that you have. They're not going to take your credit information and use it against you at all. No way. Why would they do that? They wouldn't give that to anyone else. You know, China has this social credit score business, right? I will be damned if they bring that crap here. You know, some, some, some woman who's, I don't know, struggling. You know, some family who's struggling, maybe doesn't have good credit. Maybe is trying to get their lives back together. Can't get onto a train because their credit score isn't good. Their social credit score is not good enough. And Google, by offering Google all of your financial information, that's going to facilitate that. I'm not saying that's around the corner. I'm saying that's the possibility of what can happen when you offer a giant tech conglomerate whose entire thing has been, we want as much of your information as possible. Notice how you no longer, if you use the, the, the uh, browser Chrome, you no longer can do anything without Google tracking exactly what you do. So it used to be that if you were signed into your Google account, right, and you decided to use google.com, then it would be able to look at your information and see, you know, what you were searching. Now, and you can see it because your little Google icon's in the corner, everything that you type in anywhere, Google can see. And, you know, for me, it's like, especially in my business, you know, I'm, you know, in, in the news industry where, you know, we're Googling at, you know, a million miles per second and Googling all sorts of crazy stuff. You know, I'm Googling like, oh, how, how, how do you make a bomb? Just because, you know, I'm trying to figure out, uh, you know, how these terrorists do it um, and, you know, researching terrorism and researching terrorist groups. And then, you know, then you go on and research, you know, ISIS and you go and research Antifa and then you go and research, you know, white supremacist and then you go and research all of these other things uh, they must think i'm a psychopath at the same time i think that's why this information isn't that helpful because th there's no intent as to how they they, they they can't tell what your intent is right i mean if i google you know um if i google um you know uh symptoms of of brain cancer all right. How do they know that they, they, they might be thinking, oh, John Miller has brain cancer. John Miller's worried he has brain cancer. How do they know I'm not doing it for my grandmother? So, you know, at the same time, I, I'm, I'm terrified of Google and their uh, conglomeration of our data. At the same time, this metadata is so hard to sift through because there's just so much of it and there's no way to tell human intent. So, you know, AI, I believe, is something that is to be feared a little bit, but it's just not there yet. Have you ever tried to use Siri? 
Hey Siri. Hey Siri. Can you hear me? Hey Siri. I'm listening. Where is the nearest Walmart? The nearest one I found is Walmart Supercenter on H Street North. Okay, West. well she found that. Do you want that one? No, I don't. That's about all she can do. The second <laughs> guys okay let's go into the chat give me a question that i can ask siri in the meantime i'm going to start going through uh some of the comments all right david cronk senior says conservative new yorker in the house yes i'm one of the four <laughs> dude i was one of the so I, the, there used to be five um and it well, one of them was me and it was it was hard because you know you go to a uh a restaurant or you go to an event and everyone the first thing in these cities you know it's not like this in the rest of the country but in cities like dc and new york and even in la first thing people want to know oh what do you do oh, i i do a uh, video production oh really well what kind of video production um yeah, political mm, political videos oh please tell me more uh I do uh, like, uh, you know, political commentary. Oh, well, you must, this is an interesting time for you. We've got a madman in the White House. This must be crazy for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you get into the taxi cab, and the minute you get into the taxi cab, the driver goes off. Oh, this Trump man, he's a crazy man. He's a crazy man. We've got to get him out of office. Every time I, I hear him on the radio, we've got to impeach him. I had a taxi guy who said he wanted to kill Trump. I reported him to the police. I mean, it's crazy. You cannot, get, you, you cannot live a normal life as a Trump supporter in cities like New York, and now I'm in D.C., and, you know, it was hard enough before I was somewhat recognizable, but I was just telling someone, my doorman, and this happened in my last building, the doorman at my building knows my work and hates my guts. Do you know what it's like to return home every day and have to be greeted by somebody who you know despises you? It's not fun. It adds a lot of stress. I know it sounds trivial, just like get over it and who, who the hell cares and, you know, F you. I got to tell you, it grates on you. G going home to somebody and, you know, and having to, you know, ha you know, deal with and, you know, they give you your packages and, you know, they, you know, you have to get them, you know, when you want, you, when you need your HVAC and all that kind of stuff and you need to make maintenance and all that kind of stuff, appointments and what have you. To know that that person absolutely hates your guts. It it, 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 grates on you. All right. Um, Carter Toshner says Cory Booker was on MSNBC calling handguns, weapons of destruction. <laughs> I, I told you, I told you that's option number two. That's option number two is that now they're not just going to go after the so-called assault weapons. They're going to go after handguns. All guns are weapons of mass destruction, right? They want us to use bow and arrows. That's what it's going to turn into. Melissa Miller says they won't cover it because the shooter isn't white. Yes. So uh, reports say, and like I said, unless something has changed in the course of, uh, uh, of this broadcast, that the shooter was Asian. But the shooter, I don't know if you guys remember, but there was one shooting where the shooter was a transgender. The suspect was a transgender. You heard nothing 
about that shooting. Nothing. Nothing. And why? Because the only shootings that they care about are the shootings that are white men, because then they can tie it to Donald Trump and white nationalism. White nationalist shooter shoots up uh, Walmart. Transgender shoots up a, uh, a school. Meh. Meh. Asian guy shoots up a school. Meh. White nationalist shoots up. And don't tell me about numbers. Don't tell me about numbers. You know, oh, the numbers were so much bigger, you know, in the, in the Ohio and the, and the El Paso shooting. Because remember the white nationalist shooter who went into the synagogue near San Diego? One person died in that. And that got wall-to-wall coverage. So I don't want to hear about numbers. It's about narrative with these people. Team Trump says, says, funny how the left picks and chooses what the news is. It's not funny. It's not funny at all. It's terrifying. They are stenographers. They are propagandists. They run the narrative. And unfortunately, there's a large portion of the country who believes what they say. Who believes that Donald Trump is a racist? I'll tell you, how many people out there do you think there are who remember when, uh, who, who think Donald Trump, you hear this all the time, Donald Trump made fun of a disabled person because Donald Trump did his, uh, his uh, uh, impression, which he does for everybody. He did this for Ted Cruz. He did this for another person in his audience. He does it all the time. And yet the narrative persists because of the leftist media that he was making fun of a disabled person. He was not. He didn't even know the person was disabled. He was just, this is a person that was making fun of me and I'm making fun of them. That was it. There's videos that you can Google that prove it. Check it. Another example. There are good people on both sides, right? There are good people on both sides. To this day, you hear CNN, MSNBC, all of these broadcast networks, or excuse me, cable networks, going and saying, he said there are good people on both sides. How dare you? Well, if you listen to that speech or that press conference in Trump Tower for, I would say, seven seconds after he says that, he says, and I'm not talking about the white nationalists. He says, there are good people on both sides, and I'm not talking about the white nationalists. I'm talking about the people who were there to protest the tearing down of the statues of people who were very important, who are very important statues to them. They are historical statues, and there were people there that were protesting the tearing down of those statues. Those are the people I are, I'm calling good people, not the white nationalists. And he specifically says, I'm not talking about the white nationalists. But every single time one of these media networks plays the clip, they conveniently cut it off. And it's like almost as if he's in the middle of the sentence. There are good people on both sides. And they cut it because they know what he says afterwards. And they know it disproves their narrative. And that's how you know they are liars. Robert says, I rather enjoyed watching the witness exposed. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was if, if there was one good thing about this hearing, it's, it's watching these people realize, oh, you actually have no knowledge of the things that you were brought in to talk about. Isn't that funny? You and me, we have more knowledge than these people because we've read the transcript. 
These people have no knowledge and they had to admit it. And watching them squirm and, and, and have to admit, oh, all, all I'm talking about, what was his line? All I'm talking about is, is, uh, is, is uh, tell you what I heard from people is, is hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Andrea Nichols says, John Miller, you are doing an amazing job in sticking to the truth. America is waking up. Thank you. No, thank you for watching. Because like I said, we could not do any of this without you guys. So I appreciate you guys coming in to watch every single day, every single day that we do this. Uh, it, it really means the world. And you, your guys' comments and your guys' participation and your guys' enthusiasm uh, is, is really just so meaningful to us. And I really, I, I don't just say that to say that I know everyone says, oh, the fans are everything. No, I really make an effort. I do. I read the comments. I go through the comments. I try to see as much feedback as I can because it, it, if we don't have you, we don't have a show. If we don't have you, we don't have business. If we don't have you, quite frankly, we don't have a country because you guys are the ones who are helping us, me, others here at Blaze TV and others in the conservative movement, help save this country from this insanity from the left, which is just going off the rails. It's going off the rails, folks. I mean, we've got full-blown socialists talking about $99 trillion programs that we, need to, that we need to implement. We need to change every building. These Green New Deals, Medicare for illegal immigrants, they have gone off the rails. Pedophilia, this transgender stuff. I'm sure there's more that I can't even think about that, I'm, I, that I've been reading. You know, these, this Desmond is amazing stuff. I mean, look, if you're a full-grown adult, you decide I want to dress like a woman, fine. It's not my business. But you take a child, a child who can barely, uh, you know, decide what flavor ice cream they want and let them choose what gender they want to be. We're headed for trouble. And so we need people to help save us. And that's you people. Kurt Bush Jr. says... It's just about cheating the American wealth system. That's why they don't want a wall. Yeah, I, I think, and I think that that's always been the case. That's why Republicans don't want it. That's why Republicans are secretly fighting against it. That's why, you know, the Gang of Eight, they always want comprehensive immigration reform. They don't want to actually end the problem of illegal immigration because it gives them cheap labor. It gives them cheap labor, and then they come with the excuse, well, you know, there are just some jobs that Americans won't do. False. The information shows that's an absolute farce. There are not jobs that Americans won't do. In fact, there's not a single industry, there's not a single occupation that is dominated by illegal immigrants. There are only a few that are dominated by legal immigrants but remember those raids in Mississippi. The minute ICE came and removed the illegal immigrants from their jobs in meat processing factories and other factories, they held a jobs fair. And guess who showed up? Americans, black Americans, white Americans, Americans who just want a job. Americans are willing to work. The reason why these corporations don't want them to do so it's because maybe they're not going to be as cheap as the illegal labor because they can't pay Americans under the table. Sorry. 
And it's not just it's not just the wall that they don't want. Congress has set up all of these systems that allow giant corporations to benefit off of the backs of hardworking Americans and screw hardworking Americans. We talked about this earlier this week. Uh, You know, you have the H-1B visas which allow temporary foreign workers to come in and essentially take American jobs. And Americans have to go and train those people to do their jobs. And then the Americans end up on their butts while someone from India or China, who can be paid a lot less, comes and does their job for them. And who benefits? Not the American worker. No, the giant corporation. Facebook benefits, Amazon benefits, Microsoft benefits. All right. And then you have the F1B visas. We told you about those. Those are student visas. Those allow students from other countries to come in and utilize our education system and become students. The kicker is that after they graduate, they get jobs and they're allowed to stay and fulfill those jobs. And companies want to hire those people instead of American workers, instead of American students, because they get tax kickbacks from hiring F-1B visa students. Or F- I'm excuse, uh, uh, so, yeah. Right, F- and, and, this, and this is F-1B. F-1B is the students, H-1B is the worker. But F-1B becomes workers after they graduate, and then Facebook is able to benefit from that. So, I mean, the, so the, the entire system is rigged to screw the American worker. And that's why Donald Trump was elected. Because Donald Trump actually said, no, the American worker is the one who makes this country work. The American worker is the person who makes this country a success and always has. This country has always been about the little guy working as hard as he can to make something and to maybe achieve his dreams and maybe make something of himself. It has not been about these giant corporations who have allegiance to, uh, who have allegiances to no one except for their bottom line. They have no allegiance to America. They have no business taking from other countries and colluding with other countries to help grow their bottom line. That's never been what America is about. We've been about community. We've been about helping each other. We have been about America first, all right? So that's what this is about. That's why they don't want a wall. That's why they're trying to, to, to basically rig our immigration system. And that's why when it comes to legal immigration, they don't want to change that either. They're not interested in amending our legal immigration system. And you have Republicans and so-called conservatives who have no interest in amending our legal immigration system. You know, you keep on hearing, well, we want unlimited legal immigration. We just don't like illegal immigration. No, legal immigration is screwing American workers as well. The whole system needs to be rejigged. We need to start with illegal immigration because there's a flood and you need to turn the spout off. And then you need to work on amending legal immigration because that ain't working either. That ain't benefiting you either. All right. I have a question. So we're talking about how technology is replacing the American worker, right? Because they want, you know, and Andrew Yang has been talking about this a lot. Automation. Automation's a big problem. You know, and like I said, I'm a little skeptical of automation because I don't see any of this technology working. Like I said, Siri. I asked Siri where the nearest Walmart was. Okay, she was able to handle that. Let's ask her this. Siri. Hey, Siri. 
Who killed Jeffrey Epstein? Jeffrey Epstein died in Metropolitan Correctional Center, New York City. No, but who killed him? Excuse me, Siri. Hey, Siri. Who killed Jeffrey Epstein? Jeffrey Epstein died in Metropolitan Correctional Center, New York City. Hey, Siri. Did Jeffrey Epstein kill himself? Jeffrey Epstein died from suicide. No, he... Get out. See, she didn't know, she didn't know anything. She didn't know anything. She's useless. She is useless. All right. I also want to give a big shout out to Carlos Vasquez Sanchez. He sent us uh, about $2. Every little bit counts, guys. So $1 donation, $2 donation, $3 donation, a million dollar donation, whatever you want. It really helps us. We really appreciate every single dollar. We want to thank you guys. Thank you guys for watching this portion. We're going to move on to the, pod to the podcast portion now. So that's all the time we have for the live show. So we want to thank you on YouTube. We want to thank everyone on Facebook. We want to thank everyone who participated in the super chat. We do have one more segment today. I'm going to be reacting to Kellyanne Conway's uh, just epic takedown of Wolf Blitzer on CNN. That's going to be available exclusively on blazetv.com and, as I said, on the White House Brief podcast, which can be found on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That will be available today at 4.30 Eastern. So at 4.30 Eastern, make sure to go to wherever you get your podcast or go to blazetv.com. But go ahead and subscribe now so you get the notification. Do not forget. Thanks for watching, and I'll see you all at 4.30. Right now, we're going to talk about this, I gotta admit, very interesting, rather bizarre marriage between Kellyanne Conway and her husband, George Conway. I think it's clear who wears the pants in the relationship, and it's not George, it's Kellyanne. And every time they try to catch her on it and, and, and humiliate her about it, she just takes them to school. And the latest victim of her savagery was the mediocrity known as Wolf Blitzer. And Wolf Blitzer's sitting here, and he tries to get her on this, and she is not having any of it. Let's watch. It's, it's a political question. It's a substantive question. I don't want to talk about your marriage. I know that there are, <laughs> there are, there are issues there. Your husband, George Conway, he's a hey, lawyer. What did you just say? Your husband, George no, no, Conway. Did you just say there are issues there? You don't want to talk about marriage? I don't want to talk about, no, I don't want to Why talk. Why did you say that? I don't want to talk about your marriage. I don't want to talk about your, I want to talk about a substantive point that your husband, George Conway, made. he was on television all day yesterday during this, the first day of the impeachment hearings, and he said this about the president of the United States. I just want your reaction to the substance of what so he said. So before you play the clip, which I haven't seen, why? And why are you doing that? Because, because he's a legal scholar, he's a lawyer, and he was really going after the President of the United States, and he was and, all over and the television is, yesterday. And, and come on, I just want you to, I just, and he's married to me? But, you know, it, it, he happens to be married to you. What's but you can, run the, you can run the clip of Jeffrey. He happens to be married to me. That's bizarre. Correct. But he's uh, also a legal scholar. He's, he's got a substantive point. Listen to I what... I think Jeffrey Tubin's point, your, your senior legal analyst, I loved his point on CNN yesterday. We, you don't have to play a competitor's clip. You can just play the CNN clip where Jeffrey Tubin said, it's a problem. Okay, stop, 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 stop it there. Stop it there. <laughs> I love it. Wolf Blitzer sitting there. 
uh, you know, this has nothing to do with the fact that you're, you're very problematic marriages. I, I'm, not, I'm not going to ask you about it because of that. This has nothing to do with the fact that he's your husband. Uh, yes, there are some issues there, but I promise you I'm not playing this because you're, he's your husband. I'm only playing this, Kellyanne, because he's a, he is a respected legal scholar, and I don't want you to talk about the problem. I, I, I wouldn't want you to talk about the problems of your marriages because I, I, I know they're there. I know they exist. I know that you guys are probably fighting and throwing stuff at each other at the house. Don't talk about that. We want to talk about George Conway as a respected legal scholar. Only address the substance. Don't address the fact that you guys are fighting in public because we are CNN and we are above that. The only only reason I had him on is, is because he's a respected legal scholar. Continue. Uh, that um, Taylor and Kent never met Donald Trump. He said to Jake, it's a problem. It's, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with Jake. Jake Tapper said something I'm like, not, um, I'm not disagreeing you know, with either it, they might have to. They might have to meet the whistleblower, at least talk to, talk to him or her, him in private, Stop. because you have to be able to confirm. Did you catch that? You have to talk to him or her, him. She says, because <laughs> she knows that the, we know who the whistleblower is. Everybody knows who the whistleblower is. It's that, uh, and, and I won't say his name because, you know, journalistic integrity, but his name has been released by Drudge. Remember, Don Jr. retweeted it. Um, and almost everybody is pretty sure that it's him. And if it's not him, it's Adam Schiff. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, I let, but she lets him know, him or her, him, which is just, she's just savaging him. And it's just uh, a pleasure to watch. All right, let's go. You're accused. Right. But so, you should so not here, have just here. said to your audience, um, I don't want to talk you about your marriage quote. I know there are issues. Why, why would you say that? What is it? I don't want to talk about your I don't want to talk about. Why would you say there are issues? L listen to what your husband said. <laughs> I'll play the clip. The problem with Donald Trump is he always sees himself first. Trump is all about that? Trump. And that's why it was inevitable he'd get himself into the soup once again. And that's what, that's what this he is all like about. He was using the power of the presidency in its most unchecked area, foreign affairs, mm -hmm. to advance his own personal interests as opposed to the country's. All right, stop it again. So they're playing a, a PMSNBC clip on CNN and trying to say, well, this is just a legal analyst, a legal expert who we respect has nothing to do with the fact that you're married to him. I mean, what a con job. What a con job. And Wolf Blitzer has the audacity to sit there like, I, I don't see what I'm doing wrong. And I don't want you to talk about your marriage, which has problems. And then they play that goofball with like the weird haircut. It looks, looks like the Beatles. Like it looks like a Beatles knockoff who ate too many Twinkies. And he's sitting there saying, well, we're playing an MSNBC clip. What's wrong with that? He's trying to humiliate her, and she is flipping it on him brilliantly. Okay, we can continue. All right, that's a serious allegation, a serious charge. He was using uh, the power of the presidency, its most unchecked area, foreign affairs, to advance his own personal interests as opposed to the country's. That is his opinion. And we, I don't think MSNBC was lacking for anti-Trump voices. And we've heard things like that said on CNN for three years. And we've heard things like that said on that network for three years and elsewise. And where 
honestly, where is the shame? Where is the introspection of people who have said for three years, respectfully, Wolf, actually beginning in May of 2017, I'll quote your wife's husband right now. I won't talk about your marriage, but I'll quote, quote your wife's husband. 2017, you asked Angus King, are we getting closer to impeachment? I mean, where does anybody ever feel badly about getting it so wrong? Okay, we sort of look. That is such an important point. And I'm not even going to mock this because I, that is such an important point. I mean, she sits there and she flips it on him again. And you see him, he sits there like, <laughs> how does she, how does she, how does she talk to me like this? I am the anchor. I am Wolf Blitzer. I have been on TV for a hundred years and no one knows why. He says, there are so many more talented people than Wolf Blitzer in the world. And for some reason, he's held this spot. And he has no talent. Uh, he might have brains. If he does, you can't tell. Uh, and he's just sitting there being beat up by this woman. And she's sitting there running circles around me. I thought I was going to have this one on her. And she says, you know, she says, what if this were you in the other position? But then she makes a really important point. And that is, is there any introspection? I mean, you guys are sitting here trying to play gotcha games while completely ignoring all of the factors on why Donald Trump won. And I remember we did a show on this. We did a show way, way back when CNN had Farid Zakaria. We called him Freak Show Zakaria. And Hawaii Trump won. And it was them trying to figure out why he won because they couldn't. And it was all of these reasons. He's so racist. He is so mean. And the reason why Trump won must be because America is very racist and very mean and very angry and very upset and don't like Mexicans and don't like black people and don't like Hispanic people and don't like gay people and don't like transgender people and don't like people who have not jobs and don't like all of the people. And it's like, no. The reason Trump won is because he promised to do the things, and we said this in the earlier segment, he promised to do the things that no other politician promised to do. Close the border. At least secure it. Now he needs to close it because it's going to be such a mess. Secure the border. Take care of the illegal immigration problem. Take care of the American worker. Stop focusing on all of these social experimentation issues. Stop attacking religion. Stop letting China screw us over. Stop allowing businesses to be run over by excessive regulations and burdensome taxes. Let the American economy grow and let the American people thrive. That was his message. That's why he won. It's that simple. And he has delivered on a lot of those promises. As you guys have made no secret about it, I would love to see some more progress on the border. However, Congress has hamstringed him on that. There are things that I would argue that he can do executively to help, and he's, and he's actually taking steps. Um, my other contention with him has been that he has surrounded himself by a lot of people who do not believe in his America First message, and they have hindered him, and they have given him advice that makes him think that he cannot do such things. So I can't completely blame him because he's still a political novice, but he's done a hell of a job for someone who's done, this is his first time doing his job. Remember you on your first job? Did you do this kind of job that Donald Trump is doing? Because I sure as hell didn't. I was bumbling around like an idiot. So for his first time as a politician, I think Donald Trump's doing a pretty damn good job. And I think that... Uh, for them to think, 
that they can win this next election by bringing on Kellyanne Conway and drudging up strife between her and her husband is an effective strategy is absolutely absurd. So she's absolutely right. There is no introspection. They haven't tried to figure out why he won. And instead, they're sitting there talking about the, this Ukraine nonsense, the, the, the witness, the witness of the document that we all said. The diplomat said Trump cared more about Biden investigations than Ukraine. I mean, it's just incredible. All right, let's hear the rest of this. The other way of how wrong everybody was here and elsewhere with the elections, I was on your network every single day as gracefully and respectfully as I could, laying out the case as to why Donald Trump would beat Hillary Clinton. I have a living, breathing video catalog, which is why I don't worry about anything when people say, well, I always knew he'd win. I said it all the time, really, because you were sleeping when I was on TV in the morning and at night. So we have a living, breathing catalog on CNN and elsewhere. Here's why we're going back to Pennsylvania. Here's why we're going. It's the same stuff all the time. What you just quoted is said every single day by other voices, but you wanted to put it in my husband's voice because you think somehow that that'll help your ratings or that you're really sticking it to Kellyanne Conway. And let me make very clear, you didn't stick it to Kellyanne Conway. I think you embarrassed yourself. And I, I'm in- roasting him, just roasting him. Look at him. Look, I, I get a shot of, of Wolf right now. He is just sitting there trying not to crap his pants because he is getting eviscerated by her right now. And she's right. I mean, you know, she predicted, you know, she was out there saying he would win. I, you know, I was not uh, uh, in any sort of uh, public uh, eye when uh, the 2016 election happened. But for those who know me, they can attest I was an early adopter uh, of, of, of supporting Donald Trump. I don't think it was the first day he came down the escalator, but it might have been the day after. And I remember at the time I was working at Fox News and uh, and I was working at Fox and I was and this is at Fox. All right. I was mocked relentlessly for my support of Donald Trump. You know, I, 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 I brought a MAGA hat in once and everyone thought it was this is Fox. Everyone thought it was a joke. Everyone was like, that's disgusting. I don't know how you, I'm not kidding. Everyone thought, how could you actually support this man? He's a joke. There's no way he's going to win. And I was just kind of sat there quietly like you guys, the joke's on you guys, because not only is he going to win, but he's going to succeed as a president. And even after he won, I was mocked for supporting him. Even after he won, I was mocked because the establishment, which runs so deep, the establishment is not just Mitch McConnell. The establishment runs so much deeper than that, in which in polite circles, I would say even through, it wasn't until maybe about 20, it wasn't maybe about until a couple of months into his presidency, maybe even six months, where it became, where everyone started to come around to him. And so, you know, for those of us, and I remember on election night, uh, Dan Bongino and I actually were sitting there saying, I know all the polls are saying that he's going to lose, but if you talk to people and you actually get out of this stupid bubble that is New York and DC and get people's opinions, there's Trump signs everywhere. People are excited about him. And you know, you talk to people and they're like, I'm with him too. But then you go out to, you know, the cocktail parties and everybody says, oh, <laughs> oh Donald Trump, <laughs> aren't you embarrassed by him? 
And I'm like, well, yeah, sometimes, but you know, he's the right guy for the job. And I remember uh, it was a transition phase from being so embarrassed to support him, but I knew in my heart that this was the person that I was going to be voting for, and I voted for him in the primaries and the general election. It was just uh, one of those things where those of us who knew, we knew, and uh, those of us who, I mean, those of us who knew, knew, but who was at the center of the stage every single debate? Like, I, I mean, this idea that Donald Trump's not going to win. Meanwhile, n there was not a single debate where he was not front and center. And, uh, and, and uh, maybe one, maybe one he sat, sat out of. But every, the vast majority of debates, if not almost every single one, he was front and center. And... This wasn't a debate, you know, people are like, well, if you put Donald Trump against Joe Biden, there's going to be no Donald Trump against Joe Biden, Donald Trump against Joe Biden. You think that Joe Biden can out debate Donald Trump, Joe Biden? Whoa, 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 what state am I in? I, I tell you, I done. Uh, I, I thought I I put him in his spot and I said, uh, corn pup, that's not right. Chain and got him around and put it on his foot. I said, you take it out to the car. I'll take you out to the car. I'll show you. I'll make sure. And that's what I told him. I said, you at the pool. I put the chain across the pool and I said, you mess with that. I'm going to wrap that around and I'm going to put it on you. I did. I'm not kidding. I told him he's a dangerous guy. And I took him out to the car and I said, you drive. I said, you take that car. And I, and I and I got and I and I put it on the hood and I took that chain and I put it back and I said, corn pop, I'm not kidding. And then I took the Medal of Honor and I said, I put it and I put it around his neck and he didn't want it. I said, that's 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 I'm not kidding. I mean, that is he going to do that on the debate stage? Really? Uh, so I, I, I don't see it. And you have to remember, Donald Trump was on a debate stage with lawyers, with seasoned politicians, with seasoned business people, Carly falling off the stage for Fiorina. I mean, it wasn't like he was up on stage with the Three Stooges, and he outdebated all of them every single debate. So, you know, we knew. We knew. And Kellyanne Conway obviously knew. Let's continue to watch this clip. Embarrassed for you because this is CNN now. The, I, I looked up to you when I was in college and law school. I would turn on CNN to see what Wolf Blitzer had to say about war, famine, uh, disruption abroad. I really respected you for all those years as somebody who would give you know, us the news. And now the Kellyanne, news is what somebody's husband says. Do you know how many times? <laughs> Kellyanne, oh, Kellyanne, you know, well, it's time to end the segment. Let's end the segment. We're done. We're done. We're done. We're done. Kellyanne, you just completely cut me into pieces and I don't appreciate it. That was basically what happened in that segment. That was basically that segment. Totally destroyed him. What an embarrassment. I mean, he embarrasses himself every day on the air. But I, I, this, this idea that it is okay to completely grill her on her personal life. You know, if you're going to do that, just say, 
I'm wondering about your marriage. Would you mind talking to me about your marriage? Because it is bizarre that you and your husband have completely different points of views and maybe even pose it as a nice way. Like, how do you, how do you, uh, you know, make it in a household? Because it's, a, it's an interesting question, right? For a lot of people who have different views. And I think it's a lot of something that a lot of people in America are dealing with right now. You know, one spouse believes in one thing, the other believes in another thing. You know, how do you make that work? Why can't they ask a question like that? That would be a much more kind and interesting way to solve that problem. And it would relate to a lot more Americans who might be dealing with that problem in their own home. You know, two different uh, political perspectives in the same household. But instead, you have to say, I don't want to talk about your marriage, which seems to be falling apart. I'm just want you to comment on him as a legal expert. Bullcrap. All right, guys, that's all we have for you today. It's the end of the show. If you have not yet, please subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast. It is really important. I say this over and over again. I promise you I wouldn't constantly ask you to do it. Also, if you want to publicly declare your love, your adoration, your enamoration for the White House brief, please go to shop blazemedia.com slash Miller to check it out. We've got sweatshirts. We've got, I think the hat is sold out or I don't know, but we've got stuff with this logo on it. We've got t-shirts. We've got sweatshirts. We've got mugs, all kinds of cool stuff for you to look at. And don't forget Christmas is coming. It's going to be around the corner and it's going to hit you before you know it. So why not buy every one of your relatives a White House brief t-shirt? They are going to absolutely love it. Put it in their stockings and they will never forget it. That is it for today. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. A reminder to everyone, I'd really appreciate it if you'd please rate, review, and subscribe to the White House Brief Podcast. It will make sure the truth rises above all the other stuff out there. So please rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks for listening.